0: episode one of Full Impact Podcast. This is an uh, episode covering the first episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion Angel Attack. I'm one of your hosts, Nick.
1: And, and I am your other host, Allison.
0: Allison. Wonderful, Allison. So this is the first episode. This is it. Taking the dive. This is it. We're, we're, we're all over it. We're all over it. And we start off with, like, probably one of the most iconic intro songs ever, in my opinion. At least anime intro songs. And if you
1: listen to our intro episode, you would know that this is also banned in some areas of Japan, you said?
0: Uh, I think it, like, became so popular in certain karaoke bars that they, uh, like... Took it off. Like, you know, like in Wayne's world <laughs> when it's like no stairway <laughs> allowed. Denied. Kind of like that, yeah. Got it. <laughs> it's like redacted from the karaoke file. Yeah, like, oh, they're like, for God's sakes, not this one again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Got it. But yeah, so intro song, it's called A Cruel Angel's Thesis. Um, the lyrics are by, and I'm probably going to butcher this name because I don't speak Japanese, but Neko Oikawa um and i guess that she didn't even like she didn't watch the show and then make the song they like gave her a brief proposal of the show like and she skimmed it and then i think she fast forwarded through like the first couple episodes and then just like <laughs> went from there and just like wrote what she thought would best encompass the theme of the whole show <laughs>
1: So she, did she finish the series before no. she wrote this? She, she was only a couple episodes no, deep? and
0: she got she got a little, a little proposal of what the show's about, fast forward to the first two episodes, and wrote it. That's it.
1: <laughs> That's artistry for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's... I mean, kudos to her, you know?
1: I, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, or him. I'm not really sure. I think it's a her. Well, Whoever it is. Yeah, but I guess um, the act, the creator um, Hideaki Ano, he wanted to have it be a classical classical piece as the intro song. Um, he guess he wanted something from Borodin's Polovshan Dances, but um, he couldn't get that, so they went with a K-pop song instead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's quite a jump, but hey, it works.
0: Yeah, it- I mean, I I mean. It, I, I sing along every time it comes on. So
1: I, I got to say, I do too. Like it's 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 one of those earworm songs that once you hear that first note,
0: you're like, I'm mm-hmm. in it. <laughs> oh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone around the house being like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh
1: if your windows were open and people were listening, they'd have no idea what you were talking about."
0: Seriously, but ah, uh, it goes so hard. Um, but I mean, even in just the intro song, there's a plethora of information kind of just like popping up at you and it's it happens so fast it's you know blinking you miss it type stuff um as you're going through um so I figured one of the good things to talk about is some of the images or words that pop up real quick that you'd probably be able to miss real easy if you're not super paying attention and also it's especially when you're starting off first I feel like there's so much information it's easy for a lot of it to just go right over your head no, and
1: I guess, you know, we, we've made this reference before and I, but it's, it's just because it's so universal. But with Game of Thrones, you know, like even the intro is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you see scenes of a map and you see all these things happening and you're just not really paying much attention, not thinking how much that is kind of foreshadowing what's happening in the in the whole series. And so I think if you kind of look at it that way. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You're just inundated with all of these things that, you know, you're not really familiar with yet. So, uh, that was my take on it.
0: Yeah. Um, and one of the things that pops up, um, you'll probably, it's easy to see. It's like this circular pattern with nine circles. Um, and it's, I think it's, it's the tree of Sephiroth, right? Correct. Um, you, you have some stuff on that, right?
1: Uh yeah I do. Um so <laughs> uh I went and looked it up and and I got the information from a site called tree of uh life well the tree of life is what that is actually representing um it was from the nerve archives which is a really cool site and to the point and very concise so um to give you a little bit of the background of it there's there's two separate schools of thought the first one is um christian lore which (laughs) to give you a bit of my background uh i went to a catholic school for 12 years so (laughs) i i know a lot about the bible Uh, And so even from the beginning, that's kind of what struck me was like the underlying themes of Catholicism and Christianity. Um, So the Tree of Life uh, was actually in the Garden of Eden. Uh, For those of you who know much about that, that was where original sin was uh, started. And uh, God tested Adam and Eve and they, you know, ended up (laughs) eating the apple (laughs) that it started original (laughs) yeah right (laughs) the one thing they were not supposed to do and they did it so they were obviously teenagers when this is all happening but anyway uh yeah so the and the symbol of the tree of life is actually inverted so uh, that's why it kind of looks like the branches come down and the the trunk if you will and the roots are rooted in heaven and the branches come down onto earth so that's that's the, the Christian lure interpretation of it. Um, but for purposes of the show, it's actually they look at it from a Judaic perspective. So like a more Judaism way of looking at it or more New Testament versus or I'm sorry, Old Testament versus New Testament interpretation. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So they break it down. Basically, there's a lot of different. Uh, paths, there are 22 paths, uh, their names I won't go into, but in, in, in depth right now, but to kind of give you like to break it down into the basics. Um, there's three pillars in in this, you know, idea of things. Um, mildness, which is the balance in life, like air, that's, that's the element that it represents. Um, <clears throat> then there's uh, mercy, that's the second pillar, and that's represented by the element of fire. And that's more of a male representation. Uh, Then there's serenity or I'm sorry, severity, severity, my bad, Uh, which is represented by water. And that's the more female. So you see the like balance of life part of it. Um, So if that gives you a little bit of a background of things, anything you wanted to add, Nick, or?
0: Um, So I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but the it has it's, it's nine circles, right? There's nine of them. Uh, that? yes, I believe so. Yep. Um do do you know do each circle represent something? Do you know?
1: Yes. So they are the crown, wisdom, understanding, mercy, severity and strength, glory and beauty, victory, majesty, foundation, and kingdom.
0: Well, that is a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they re- really went for it there. <laughs>
1: They sure did. That's why I wanted to keep it to more of the, you know, overall
0: theme. They're like, (laughs) like, what are the coolest words we know? Let's put them all out here.
1: (laughs) And I would give you their like origin names, but I will absolutely destroy them. So again, I will refer you back to nervearchives.com, which is uh, where we're getting a lot of this information and and it breaks it down into a much you know, more detailed uh, explanation than I have. But just based on my own background, that's kind of how I saw it. And it and it's kind of cool to think of, you know, both both religions, you know, separate religions, but kind of based on the same idea, which is kind of an overall theme there. So,
0: yeah, that's- well, that's cool to know. I mean, especially um, for those listening, it's good to be on the lookout for that symbol again because it will it will pop up more. Yeah, other than other than in the intro song, correct. But speaking of intro song. I'm sure I've told you this before, but my favorite part is when they transition between the faces. You know? <laughs> <laughs> every time it's like bum 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 bum, and it's like changes each time. It gets me every time.
1: It kind of reminds me. I don't know if you ever watched the old like Batman episodes, but when they would get into like fight scenes, like <laughs> like comic book words would come up like bow, bop. <laughs> slam it's kind of like how it's the- yes exactly <laughs> it kind of comes at you like that so just to
0: <laughs> give a comparison um and then um, before we wrap up on the intro song there's a few shots in it that it just shows uh words and they're really quick they're like maybe not, e- not even a second there um I figure it'd be worth bringing up just uh, in case this is your first time watching. Um, you know, some words to look out for, maybe give it a, you know, think about for a bit, ponder. Um, some of the words that pop up are test type, Ava01, absolute terror field, angels, Tokyo 3, Nerf, Ava00. Production model unit two, second impact, and Adam. So I mean, a lot of pretty significant words just you know thrown in the intro right there. You know, before we even get into the you know the bulk of the show itself.
1: Yeah, kind of laying the groundwork.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, in unless you're like really looking for them, it's, it's go right. They're so fast, you know, we pass right through them. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's a good good time to get into the actual actual episode here. Well, let's do it. Meat and gravy. So right at, right in the the start off, we were told that we're in 2015 AD, which um you know which is for us five years ago. But <laughs> <laughs> given that this was uh airing in 95 that would have been 20 years in the future. So, which just a little background
1: too that to me at 2015 would have seemed like years and years from now. <laughs> like an unfathomable anou- amount of time but yet here we are.
0: Yeah, it's it's so weird when the shows like are supposed to be placed in the future and then that time period like comes and goes in the real world and it's not anything yep. like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. But it's cool to be have been in both positions in a position where I knew what it was like in ninety five and I also know what it's like now. So it's kinda kinda cool the comparison.
0: Yeah. So we start off um underwater, we see this huge monster just swimming through, and then we get this really cool shot of all the the army tanks lined up around the shore. You know, there's like a seagull sitting on one of the Uh, uh, barrels there Mm -hmm. and you know we get this shot of like uh like a bunch of buildings like falling apart and in water and stuff um just in shambles um and that there's a state of emergency going on and everybody needs to evacuate so i mean right right from the get-go we're thrown into this like clearly like almost seemingly post apocalyptic world or you know, just like things are just not clearly not normal anymore. Or at least not where they are, you know.
1: And I think everyone can relate to that theme
0: these days. <laughs> yeah. With the uh raising rising uh sea levels and whatnot. Yep. And then we get uh introduced to our main character, Shinji. Um and he has this little uh photo. Of uh, who we later introduced as uh, Misato on it, you know, and he's waiting for uh, waiting to be picked up by her, and the writing on the photo um, in the show is in Japanese, but um, it's interesting in in the manga, um, it translates one of them and the, has one of the things that it messages. Is uh, written on there is, check out the cleavage with literally an arrow.
1: <laughs> to- <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> and
0: like, and it's, it's like, this is our introduction to Misada. <laughs> it's this postcard that she sent him. <laughs> I guess he was trying to make it as enticing as possible.
1: <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you know what? It's, it's marketing. It's like the Instagram of the day, you know? I mean, sometimes you got to do yeah. what you got to do to... to- I mean,
0: yeah, I mean if Grab you were attention. a 14-year-old boy and this, you know, babe sent you a postcard and it was like meet me here. I mean, I mean, who would it?
1: You probably <laughs> would be very likely to do it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a strategic move on her part. I, I would think so. Yeah,
0: for sure. But yeah, but not knowing what it says is is it now I know what it says that's interesting. Yeah, well, that's that's w- at least one of the things you say. And then Right immediately following after that, we have Shinji looks off in the street and he sees this girl in uh, school uniform just standing there ominously with blue hair. Um, And then he, you know, looks away for a second and looks back and she's gone. Um, What do you what do you what do you make of that?
1: Um, You know, I. I It was very ominous, first of all, um, and maybe it was to point out his, like, aloneness, uh, you know, that everything else was kind of gone. Uh, I don't know. I, I, that was kind of my first impression.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, not, not, it's interesting that we have that shot of her, but then they don't really come back and cover it after that. It's kind of just, like, there and then, you know, not explained. Right, And I mean, later on in the in this episode, we find out that that's the girl's name is Ray Ayanami. We do. So it, it is like it is a character, but, you know, we're, we're never told why was she standing like a creeper in the middle of the street <laughs> during yeah. time.
1: She's a very uh, what's a good word for it? ambiguous type character you know like she's there she's present but it's never really understood why or like it's just kind of there you know um yeah. and and she's a part of it all but you're not really sure where she fits into all of this
0: but she's like always a part of it mm-hmm. um and then we get we cut to uh as you call, what do you call them? Gloves, right? That's what you call them.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. If, I don't know if when we refer to these characters, you'll find that sometimes, and this is this goes for my regular life too. Uh, I rarely call people by their real names. Lots of my friends and I have nicknames for each other. So especially because when we were texting back and forth to each other about the show, I didn't really know what their names were in the beginning, so I had to go by descriptions. So sometimes I may revert back to my old nicknames and referring to these characters. So Shinji is always Shinji. Um, he has a couple other names, but we'll go into that later episodes. <laughs> um, but uh, when we first got introduced to uh, Misato, I called her purple hair <laughs> for obvious easy, reasons. Easy, yeah. To the point. Easy she does way. Own it exactly and it's it's neutral it's just a characteristic about her and so that was what i chose so uh i, I may call her purple hair so just so you know we're, we're talking about misado <laughs>
0: Misato. boss boss ass bitch really... yeah
1: yeah i am the number one fan in
0: her fan club for sure i i think she she is definitely one of or maybe if not one of the possibly the best written character in the show i think
1: I would, I would totally agree with that, and I think she carries a lot of the plot. She carries a lot of, you know, the storylines kind of uh, involve her, and she's a huge part. Even though she's not Shinji, which whatever, <laughs>
0: <laughs> whatever Shinji, move step aside. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> let let purple hair handle it. She's got it handled. Like you can tell from the beginning that she's just, she just. Yeah, I mean, did- she
0: just rolls up in this car you know super cool with her sunglasses and just like hop in you know (laughs) yep admits this giant monster behind them
1: as if nothing else is happening it's just like she just you know just hop in i got it handled like yeah it's great it's great
0: yeah uh and then we get a little scene with with gloves um who's his name's gendo and his uh Little second-hand man there. He just called him number two, right?
1: Number two, yeah. <laughs>
0: number two, um, and he says that the monster that popped. He calls it an angel, and he says that it's been fifteen years since they've seen one. Mm-hmm. So we know this isn't a common occurrence in this world. This is—it's been fifteen years since they've seen anything like this before. Um, and I think it's interesting to note that. Uh, the Japanese word that they use I think it's pronounced stole um, it means apostle not angel so I don't know something which, to think-
1: is, oh. which is an interesting uh point to point out because when you're following in like Christianity an angel is is a is, You know, not really a a earthly being, Um, and an apostle is. They're the earthly representation of that. So it's kind of it's almost kind of like inverted, but the same theme. I mean, they certainly same representation. I guess they
0: certainly don't seem earthly at all. They have a very, at least this one has a very alien feel to him. Correct, correct. I mean, I love when he like when he he doesn't like hop or like fly. It's almost like he's like propelled off the ground by something but like you don't see any like clear um, like reason like how did he do that he just like lifts off the ground and then goes back down you know yep. like no wings no like propellers or something
1: no Very one obviously bizarre. like like it- controlling it you know like if it's it looks like it looks like a robot it looks like someone should be controlling it but where are they like you know like how is this thing even functioning like where is it? the
0: the way it moves is just it's not it's very organic looking but at the same time very bizarre right um and then we see you know we see all these uh the un united nations um the military just you know trying their best to put a dent or scratch in his thing and you know we get this cool shot of the missile coming at him and he just like catches it with his hand and just like rips through it you know you know that scene
1: yes i do i do
0: i do i do so cool like is like he just caught something made of aluminum foil and just like <laughs> <right> through <laughs> 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 nothing
1: as, as if to say not in my house like yeah
0: exactly no
1: no and and just destroys it with like no no effort whatsoever and and it kind of shows you the severity of the situation from their perspective like this mm-hmm. is all we've got to throw at this thing and it's not doing a thing like it's and it's it's obvious especially in that scene
0: yeah and then you know we have the the military guys again they're just like pounding their fists and stuff they're so angry that nothing they're throwing at it is doing anything um uh, And then we hear that when Gendo and Number 2 are talking, um, he says it's an, an AT field and that standard weapons will be useless against the Angels. But we don't get told what that is. Just right that it has one,
1: and that's that's a common theme I think throughout the series is is throwing these kind of things out there without any real like explanation of what it is. So you're kind of drawn into the next episode and next episode to figure out how it all pieces together.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that, then, that was
1: one of the yeah. things. And I, I, when I first watched it, I was thinking, "Am I behind on something?" <laughs> should i have watched another episode what what What? i do i'm um, should i know what they're talking about like uh,
0: they're just like um call it this and like should we tell them what that is and like ah, i'll figure it out yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, we don't we don't need any exposition just throw just throw terms in there in their face yeah yep. um and then you know they try to do their their ace in the hole after that they put the it's like a nuke but they call it a an N2 mine, you know? And they have this, like, massive explosion and Misato's car gets tumbled over. And, you know, you think one, that...
1: One of the other things, too, that I, that I want to point out is that, like, from the beginning, you can kind of see the relationship between, you know, Miss M or Purple Hair um, and, and, and Shinji. She, like protects him when that yeah. that bomb goes off like she like jumps on top of him to protect him like they don't even know each other like he just responded yeah. to this ad that she sent or this whatever it is and you know he has enough trust in her to get in the car number one and number two like she it's obvious that she's protecting him and that like through all of this like that's that's something that you can tell like mm-hmm. when all this is going down like what what yeah. they're in for
0: Almost immediately she's like a, a maternal figure almost, or you know, a guardian.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, she she definitely, sh- like, looks out for Shinji from the beginning. Like, just, just the fact that she's, you know, rescuing him from this horrible thing that's happening, you know? Like, and, and the trust that he has in her to get to get in the car, like, some crazy, you know? And, mm-hmm. and having never met her or anything, doesn't know what she's all about, just gets in the car. So it shows a lot of trust on both of their parts. I thought that was kind of, that's kind of, like, one of the things from the beginning that shows you, the, like, their relationship. Mm-hmm
0: yeah for sure um so then they, they it gets hit with that the n2 mine, and of course you know they're like dumbfounded that it it does practically nothing um, and they say that it's getting stronger and smarter and it just like sort of starts to regenerate it's not that it did nothing, you know, but not certainly didn't kill it just kind of stunned it almost you know, right, but it's also
1: regenerating right like it's yeah it's not, like it's,
0: you can see. Its face is like growing another face to get rid of the one that got hit, you know, right. with that explosion. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's their like, that's their strongest thing after that. You know, they, the, got nothing, they got nothing the big, bigger.
1: That's the biggest gun they got.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're just, you know, yeah. He, I think he says it. Yeah, that was our ace in the hole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is no other step after that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love the like, there's another shot of the angels that has like these like weird gill looking things and it just like moving and he just like so ominous just like standing there amidst like the like heat waves as he regenerates.
1: I always think, especially when I watch stuff like this, like the the picture of this in like the artist's mind, like all of a sudden this just evolved in somebody's head, like this is what it looks like. I just think that's really cool. Like that's their adaptation of what they thought this angel thing would look like. And I think that's yeah. it's 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 really interesting and the- that, that you would manifest it in that way. Like it, 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 I think that's cool. And then the, let's like kind of going back to the, the artistry of things and like, especially in this series, because like you said, there's like long pauses where you're just seeing like one image. Um, but that image is pretty impactful, you know? And I think that it goes to the, the artistry and, and all of that stuff in, in the series that I appreciate. For
0: sure. I mean, I think the the mantra design in the show is just super cool because there's are so, um, you know, Ab Abnormal from what you tend to expect, at least from like uh, American films and shows. Agreed. Agreed. Um, then we get a uh, short little thing with Misato and Shinji in the car after they flip it back over. And we get this Misato has like a short little inner monologue about uh, like, I think her car and you how she has like 33 payments left on it. <laughs> and it's
1: all busted some of the the stuff that's in there is just so random like it's it's great i i love it It, it's like it's such a serious topic but then they go to such inane things it's
0: it's it's funny (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's it's like zero to 100 just like back and forth yes um you know when she like in her in this monologue she seems you know almost stressed but then as soon as we get cut out to her and talking to shinji she's you know back to being you know calm and cool as a cucumber to him, even though he's like, he starts to be a little snarky. He's got a little attitude on him.
1: He does for someone who's protecting his little butt. He should be a little bit more thankful.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I think she calls him uptight.
1: <laughs> she may, she may. And then it would have been an accurate depiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she, but I think she recognizes that in him, and and in a lot of like strong people and and leadership roles, like you just you, you have to step up. Like when you see that someone else may be hesitant, and you know the right thing to do, you just have to do it. And I think she's like the embodiment of that, especially in this first episode.
0: <laughs> and then she says, "Aren't you being? Aren't you a bit childish for your age?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's like. Bangs him up against the car from like steering. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I kind of appreciate that about her. Like, sometimes you do. You don't feel your age, and you feel like you did. there's no time limit on, on being crazy. <laughs> Not crazy, but, you know, just impulsive. And I think that's more of what she is. And, and, and it's kind of reflected in her life. And I think that's what he's kind of getting at with that. But in a very anime way of saying
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The The contrast between her professional and her interpersonal side is... Uh, great, and so it's so different.
1: It's what makes her a very complex character, and one probably one of the most complex characters in this whole series, I would argue. Um, she, like I said, she has a lot of connections in the story, and she, it, she's from the beginning to the end, and she's just on point every time. And and I don't know, I just I really like her character a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So then we get we go back and forth between a scene with them on the car train. And with uh, Gendo, a.k.a. Gloves, uh, talking to the military men that were formerly in charge of the operation. And I think it's important to note that this is the first time that Nerf's been put in charge of an operation like this before. This isn't like, you know, like they've been they've been in the background, but they've never been given control. So this is like their shot to like, you know, make things happen.
1: Yep. It's like when you when you go to like the FDA with like a new drug or you're trying to go to the FDA with a new drug and, um, you know, the human trial of it. Like this is kind of like <laughs> that scenario yeah. where, you like, you know, mm-hmm, you're going to like, throw anything you can at this thing because everything that you like, you're going to explore any other avenue because obviously this thing needs to be addressed. So you're you're going to go all in on whatever organization will give you the best way to defeat it
0: hmm And, you know, they uh, they admit, they're like, you know, all our ordinance has been ineffective, and he's like, you know, do you think you can defeat it? And, <laughs> and like, Sniley pushes up his glasses, like, this is what we're made for. <laughs>
1: And I kept thinking of this first episode the whole time with gloves. Like, what's with the gloves, dude? Like, do they have some sort of like special power? Were you like, was it like a Joker situation where you were like burned with acid? <laughs> like,
0: there's no hands he in there. just likes to look like Mickey Mouse.
1: I <laughs> guess. I don't know. But like, just it did it just, it, for some reason, that's why he got gloves. Because I'm like, why is this dude wearing gloves? And maybe it was to make his, his motions more pronounced. I'm not really sure. Or to have some sort of mystique about him. I don't know. But the gloves, I don't know, listeners.
0: Weigh in. What do you think about? The Why does he have gloves? Why? <laughs> it can't be it, that cold in there.
1: What is the backstory of gloves?
0: Anyway, back to you now. Okay, <laughs> we get the, Gendo says, "Activate unit one and uh, number two, aka Fuyutsuki, He says, "But there's no pilot." And Gendo, very affectionately, he says, "No problem. A spare pilot will arrive shortly." <laughs>
1: Yeah, as if to say. Meh.
0: Yeah, and then cut to Shinji. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like just jump right into it. Like just right in. No middle plot. This is what's happening.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. And we get this uh Shinji, we get this like little memory of him uh seemingly a looks like he abandoned by his father. Um you see like a crying young Shinji with his little his bag next to him. Mhm. And he gives Misato this paper that he was given. I'm assuming it says, I don't know, documentation or something. But it's been torn up and retaped, and like a bunch of it's been like redacted and stuff. Um, Do you? What do you think? What do you think about that? Uh, Well, it's clear from the very beginning
1: with these two that that it obviously hasn't been a good relationship and there's not a very you know happy backstory there um, so that's what I got from the very beginning like I think I I might have even said like he's got serious daddy issues um, and you know I think the the redaction of the information that the the way that it it was just kind of like a representation of how he feels like his life is like he doesn't really understand a lot of things that have happened to him and and what his origin story is he seems like he's very like he doesn't have the information that he needs, and this seems like a way to get that information.
0: Yeah, I can almost, I can see, him. I imagine him like when he getting when he got that paper, that documentation, documentation, just like ripping it up immediately in in anger and fury, and then painfully retaping it back together as he thinks that you know maybe he does want to go see yeah. his father, even though he like he doesn't want to, but he does.
1: Yep. Yep. And you're conflicted all the time. Like, you, like you said, your ups and downs, like there are times where like you're you're angry that he's not there. But then there's other times where you think maybe one day. So it's, it's the internal conflict within him. And I think the fact I think it's kind of clear that, you know, because of that, it's, it, he hasn't had any relationship with him. And I mean, this is his dad, you know, and that's that's kind of it's kind of crazy. And so, you know, that he has this opportunity now, like it, it's it's going to get
0: deep. Yeah, and then we find out that apparently um, Misato and Shinji both have trouble dealing with their father, so I guess they both have daddy issues.
1: They definitely do, and and in a lot of similarities, and I think that's why they're drawn to each other, because they have a similar backstory and, and issues with their parents you know their childhoods and that can bond a lot of people and i think it has for them and will for them um for different reasons obviously but i think that's one of the things that she sees in him too that maybe that's part of the reason why she's so protective of him Mm -hmm. um is because she she sees in him what what she's struggling with so and she feels like maybe she can help him because she is older even though she may not act like it (laughs)
0: Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, I think that car train thing is so cool. And it took it me is. forever to realize that it's going, like, down and that horizontal. Like, it's almost going, like, diagonal, it looks like, you know? Yes. And I'm, I'm like, I want to go on one of those. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it kind of reminded me, I went to um, Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico and like you had to take this elevator that obviously goes like down into the earth and it was, you didn't see anything, but it just like kind of gave me that like flashback of like going deep, deep down somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And that, that it looks like at one point they had designed it for many things to be, you know, it's just their one car. And like that was kind of the the thing too. like in the, this first episode that's like struck me was that, you know, there's a lot of like alone pictures or alone like people but then all of a sudden they start coming together and that's where like um, Shinji and and Purple Hair come together is that like even though they were alone in the beginning now they have each other and at some point there were way more people and I think that's kind of represented by them in that one car going down the thing like Mm -hmm. other other people should be here this is not the normal thing and like so I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah I think we it's always hard to get a read on the daily life of the city that they live in like we have a there's a episode later on that we go into a little bit but it's hard to get a feel for how packed or populated the city actually is
1: right <clears throat> um
0: so then we get they um we get our first sight of the geo front of uh nerve HQ which is very cool you know it's like got that Pyramid, black pyramid going to like an inverted pyramid pool and has this like weird tower behind it. Very cool.
1: And I don't know if the pyramid is, is reflective of any kind of theme, but if you think of it like, you know, from the root from the top and then the branches at the bottom is kind of almost like how a pyramid is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I don't was, know if I'm getting too in I depth was, with that. I, but. Was, I was just like, that's a really cool design. And I never no. got interested in that. It really is dope. Yes. <laughs> like I had an inverted pyramid pool in my backyard. Yeah, definitely. Um, and right away, Misato and Shinji get lost. And have to call uh, Ritzko to help.
1: <laughs> yep. Now, Ritzko, uh, I call Labcoat. Um, she is another one of... of I, I like her a lot. Um, she's a very pragmatic kind of foil to to Masado, I think. And this is when we first get introduced to her and kinda you can see from the beginning her role with Misato.
0: Yeah, and I think I think she's one character that gets kind of swept under the rug, but I think I she's agree. she's pretty pretty uh, underappreciated and I agree. maybe misunderstood.
1: Yes. Her dedication uh, is, is unquestioning, you know, and you got to admire that about somebody, and I think that's kind of her character, and you know, obviously we'll get more into it as, as time goes on, but she's definitely a strong character in this, and, and does have um, a lot of effect on Misado and, and how she operates, too, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, right away, when we meet these two, we have, you know, two very very strong female characters, you know, immediately in the, in the foreground of the show. Um and they you can like almost sense this like this relationship that they had this casual relationship but they're also you know professional uh colleagues as well
1: In a and a very male dominated fields. I, yes. I have to point out as well. Like I think it's cool how they do make them positions of authority in in a situation where all the rest of the people in authority that we've seen up until this point have been male. And that's typically how it is. Yeah. And especially in the military. And so to have two um two females heading this operation is is pretty dope.
0: Yeah. I mean we I mean that one room with the the command room it was you know Gendo and Fyutsuki and then all the military men i don't think there was a single woman shown in there
1: no there definitely wasn't and yeah it's 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 cool it's it's nice to to have these strong female characters up front and center
0: yeah yeah so but right away we have this interesting dynamic between the two and you know uh, Misato introduces Shinji and uh I think Ritsuko asked if he's the uh the what does he say, the child or something. And Misato says he's the third children as recorded by the Marduk Institute. Yes. Which right out of the bat would probably sound a little foreign, you know, third children instead of third child. And you know, right there we're we're questioned with, you know, what is the Marduk Institute?
1: Yeah, here's another situation where we're getting thrown information that we think, should we know this? <laughs> mm-hmm. And if we don't know this, then maybe we should keep this in mind.
0: Exactly. Um, so, so obviously Ritsko helps her get on her way and they meet up with uh we go what? On this like the little elevator where they see like the the purple background and you can see like the giant hand as they go up. Mm-hmm. Um and we find out uh that it's been three years since Shinji and Gendo uh saw each other last. Huh? Which is you know, a long time to go without seeing your dad, especially when you're you know, a fourteen year old boy.
1: Totally, and with no explanation or reason why, he's just gone. Like,
0: yeah, and you don't, you know, you'd think you'd expect this like grand reunion with hugs and affection and stuff, and Gendo's just like, no, nah. he's like, you're finally here.
1: Right. And, like, you know, and and I guess maybe at this point it's kind of unclear, like, how much Shinji really knows about what his father did or is involved in. Like, we don't know how much of that he really knows at this point. And, like, so you can only infer that, you know, he did, yeah, his dad just up and left, like, three years ago, and and he's been kind of you know, <laughs> trying to piece it together since then. And, and it's it, we really don't understand why, like or, or how much Shinji really knows about it, because you would think that, you know, if he was if he knew what he did or, or what he was involved in, that maybe he would have, you know, a little bit more understanding. But we don't know that at this point. You know, it's just kind of like I, yeah. I haven't seen the guy in three years.
0: <laughs> and we don't even know if I mean, we know it's been three years since he's seen that, but we don't know one the last time if he was staying with his dad at all or right right. or if it was like one visit or whatever yeah exactly um but you know we get introduced to you know evangelion unit one you see you know the big headshot i love how they bring him in in like complete darkness and they're like you know what's the most dramatic possible opening we can do (laughs) for this kid (laughs) (laughs) what what would scare the poop out of him (laughs) That's what I want yeah, to do. But
1: I think it's like preparing him, like showing the the gravity of the situation. Like, I think that's what it rep- like just showing it like this. This is legit, man. Like, this is real. Like,
0: y- piece by piece, you better figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as soon as he sees it, he like starts flipping through his little nerve uh, manual. And Richie was like, ah, it's, you're, you're not going to find it in there. This is.
1: Yeah. This is
0: off the books, kid.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's why they're like a good balance, because he's kind of like, yeah, like nerdy by the book straight arrow kind of kid and she's more like you just got to feel out the situation like just read the room and so I think that's they're going to teach each other a lot of things or at least that's that kind of relationship tends to do that but yeah he's like got his nose in the book the whole time like you know not really taking in the gravity of the situation that's why I think once he does see
0: it it's like dang (laughs) yeah and I think uh, one thing that's good to look at is that Ritzko calls it, uh, the Evangelion that is. it is. It says the artificial human Evangelion. Yep. Yep. And like, that's- these are all, this is like, that's one thing that I would, I would listen to and watching the show the first time, but I wouldn't like put that much thought into it. I just kind of accept it and like move on. But I think it's something that good to really, you know, let it stew. <laughs>
1: No, agreed, and and it's it's really important to point out these things because, like you said from the beginning, you can watch this you know one time and think you've got it all handled, and it's stuff like that that'll slip right by that are that are important points to keep in mind going forward to the next episodes because things will make a lot more sense.
0: Mm-hmm, agreed, and then you know right after that you know we see Shinji face to face, well in a sense with Genda who's like looking down upon him from this elevated platform, you know, and Shinji has this, like, look of shock on his face, and I think he he looks away, like, almost in shame, like, he looks down, and right as he does that, Gendo has this, like, really arrogant-looking smirk on his face, which I think it just makes you wonder, like, even further, like, what their relationship is, what it's like.
1: Yeah, it seems, like, really to me like it, it almost seemed like he just looked at him as a means to an end and not even like his own kid. Like yeah, <laughs> he no, barely like, acknowledges him other than he has this job for him. And that's really all we know. And that's all Shinji knows at this point too, you know? So it's, it's a lot to, to throw at a kid having never seen him or having had not seen him for three years. And now all of a sudden this is happening to him. Like it's crazy. And, and, and he is, you're right. He's like up on a balcony, like <laughs> in this <yeah>. position of <laughs> ominous glove power. Seriously. And it's, like, it's very intimidating to this kid who doesn't deserve it or at least you don't think you know it's like he's he's just walking into this blind and you're acting as though he should know what he's in for
0: yeah and you know where you know he he gets asked you know they're like and i think kendo he kendo does treat him like just like a spare pilot that's like the yeah it's it's exactly what he treats him as and you know they want him to get want shinji to pilot ava one and i think at this point i I mean, this might just be my opinion, but I think in modern times we've been almost desensitized to this trope of like the hero coming into the forefront of his show or whatnot and like just like jumping headfirst into the obstacle at hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, obviously Shinji, he's terrified to pilot this thing. And I think that people just like are so quick to judge him for that when like I would probably be the exact same way.
1: Right, right. Right. Yeah. Like not not everybody embraces that hero role up front you know I mean with a lot of like hero based stories it's like their origin how they became this this character this persona of this person like this kid's just getting thrown into this like he has no he never had a desire to do this this wasn't his like life's goal and he's a 14 year old kid for crying out loud what does he know about anything yeah <laughs> and anything. I'm sure that's probably what he's thinking like you're putting this kind of responsibility on me you know this person that you barely know that I'm basically just a kid like, like that's a lot to put on a kid that age and mm-hmm. it's just it just seems like a lot for him and and he's looking for other answers and then just being thrown into this situation that he doesn't know what to do with
0: yeah you know it's like oh, it's like take, like take a 14 year old boy and like take him to this like 300 foot construction crane and be like operate it you know mm-hmm. like the kid's gonna be terrified you know I would be too it's you know this is a giant robot and they're like hey go uh You know that monster you saw on the way in? Can you go kill that using this giant robot real quick? I
1: remember when you first <laughs> described these robots, like, in the beginning when you were telling me about kind of the premise of the show when you had first gotten into it. And I remember you saying, like, describing the robot, but then saying, okay, and by the way, it's piloted by, like, a 14-year-old kid. <laughs> and I remember thinking, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very crazy concept that this giant, like, military-ish machine has to have this little kid who you know doesn't know what he's doing he's the only link between the two i think it's it's a very cool kind of juxtaposition of things like this monster machine versus this little kid and one can't work without the other
0: yeah and you know he starts to as it like sort of sinks in he's he starts to put the pieces in he's like you know like talking to his dad he's like this is the only reason you sent for me and again mm-hmm. was basically like Yep. <laughs> yep. Which that, has got to be a it.
1: difficult blow for a kid. Yeah. you're Basically, you're just a spare part to me. Like, that's essentially what he's telling him. And, you know, he doesn't know what's going to happen once he gets in this thing. He doesn't know what, you know. So it's just, it's very, very clinical, his relationship with him, you know. And you can kind of see what kind of person Gendo is or gloves. Why well, I don't yeah. like referring to him by his name because his character is a little <laughs> difficult for me. But yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he, Shinji's like, you know, why? Why, why me? And Gendo says, because it's impossible, it would be impossible for anyone else. hmm So, I mean, that's something to think about right there.
1: Definitely. Like, why is that?
0: Like, what? What's yeah. so special about this clearly depressed 14-year-old boy that you have right in front of you?
1: <laughs> that answered this crazy <laughs> ad and got taken here by this
0: <laughs> head of a military operation. Like, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's ready to go, right? like, ready. He's freaking out. He's ready to just book it, get out of here, you know. And we have like these, you have Misato, Ritsuko, Gendo stirring him down, and then we have like uh, miscellaneous nerf workers, just like also looking at him, just, like, waiting for him to do something.
1: Right, and and that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, and, you know, I think that's kind of, like, you know, probably you, you, like you said, like, people are like, well, why wouldn't you want to? Well, yeah, there's obvious concerns, <laughs> to say the least, and, you know, he's just being thrown into all this, you know, with all these adults expecting this out of him, it's understandable that he would want to get the heck out of there.
0: Yeah, and, I you know, he's you know, Misad tells him not to run away, not from his dad, and not from himself. Um, and I, I don't know what. I, what do you make of that? Do you think that she's right in that?
1: Um, I think, yeah, I definitely do. I think that you know, it's the only way that someone has power over you is if you let them. And I think that's what she's trying to to convey to him, like to take the power back. Like if this is what he wants you to do, then show him you can do it. He obviously thinks you can, and so if you can. Give it a shot. Um, and at this point, it's the only option we have. I don't know how in-depth he knows about their mission at this point. But, you know, I, I, I think that, it, yeah, sometimes you just you want to prove that person wrong. And maybe that's his relationship or that's where it's going. Or at least that gives us kind of an idea of maybe how Masato dealt with her situation. Like, you know, just you got to show him that you can do this and that, that you know, believe in yourself and don't worry about what anyone else says which is difficult for a 14-year-old kid to understand, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what she's trying to convey to him by forcing him to do something that he doesn't want to do. Maybe it will help to, you know, show his his father that he's more than just a spare part, that he may be a really big piece of the puzzle that he needs. And and he doesn't know that yet. So she's telling him to take the chance because it it might be the best thing.
0: Right. And, you know, as he kind of... Fails to make a decision, they kind of almost give up on him and then they send for uh, Ray. And, you know, Gandalf's like, Ray, I need you to pilot unit one. And she's just like, okay. But yep. then we see her and she's like in a she's in a gurney, all banded yes. up, got an IV fluid in her freaking arm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember like seeing this for the first time and thinking how it, what like obviously this thing is dangerous because she clearly got her in it before. And now you're just going to send her out into the world again. Like that's I know she's obviously, like, can,
0: she can barely shows- sit up.
1: Right, and it shows too, like Loves his callousness about this whole situation, and like and how he feels about these pilots, you know, as 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 he looks at them, it like kind of gives you a, a look at who he is as a as a leader.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, right as I mean, as we see her drawn out, we we see that uh the character we just saw blue hair, uh, Ray Inami, she's the girl that. Shinji saw when he was waiting for Misato. Yes. Except, Which I don't
1: know that I made that connection in the beginning, so that is a, yeah, good, that so is a good point. Quick.
0: Right. Um, but, other, but that's the girl that he sees, and also, but when he sees her, when he saw her, she was in, like, a school uniform, but now she's in this, you know, in the plug suit, all bandaged up like she should be in a hospital, you know? Right. So... And, but he doesn't. He seems to recognize her
1: without really knowing her. You know, D- don't didn't you get that impression? Like,
0: I don't, I don't know if know. the sense of him recognizing her or feeling like he recognizes, her or just like an overwhelming sense of like sympathy. Like, oh man, if I don't do this, she has right.
1: To that. Right, yeah. There were a lot of, like, mixed things in there. Like, what, what is he really, is he doing it? You know, obviously he sees this person, and that should, like, terrify him even more. But then the the empathy that he has to step in and do it instead of her,
0: that I think is, shows how his character is going to start to evolve. hmm And, you know, as they bring her out, then they have, uh, the angel shoots his, like, beam, and it breaks through the the roof of the geo front and we see like a building fall and we get this really cool, like inverted cross explosion, Mm -hmm. uh, which we'll see a lot of cross explosions in the show. Yes. That is a very common theme, (laughs) which I really like. I think it's really, really cool. I do too. Um, And, you know, uh, from that, from like the explosion, the pieces of the, we're there, and the room there, and debris falls from the ceiling, and the Ava moves its arm and seemingly protects Shinji from the debris that falls down. Yep. And they're all like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Except for except for gloves. How does gloves react? He's
0: got a little smirk, doesn't he?
1: Exactly. Yes. It's almost like he wanted that to happen um that's that's kind of because it was very menacing around him but he seemed very calm while, mm-hmm. while all of this was happening so I was like okay it, it, why is he so calm with us and then when that happened first of all I was like wait a minute what <laughs> and then to to see how calm he was and kind of that little smirk like yep that's exactly what I thought was gonna happen almost you know mm-hmm. what I mean
0: yeah, so, like he, was, he was like predicting it almost.
1: Yes, yes, and that gloves evilly sort of way. Mm-hmm. And
0: but everybody else is like, "What? How did this robot move? It's not plugged in." Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then the uh, Shinji, you know, reluctantly decides to do it. He hops in to the entry plug, and it fills with the the orange fluid that they call LCL. Um, and Risco says that it will feed. Oxygen directly into your bloodstream, and I'm just wondering, normally, like, Like, how would I would like no, no, (laughs) yeah, Um, that's I can't, I can't even fathom what that would feel like.
1: You know what it would feel like? It would be like if you went to a water park and you went down one of those like covered tubes, and you got stuck at the bottom, and all of a sudden they just started pouring like (laughs) Jello
0: into (laughs) the tube. (laughs) That's like what it would feel like. (laughs) Letting something go, like into your mouth and like fill yes. up your lungs and just and like it, and they just like go about your day like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and just to ask him to be cool about it. Like I'd be like, "No, I I don't think I could be cool about it. I'm in this tiny little tube when it's filling up with this liquid. Like in any other situation that would be absolutely dire, but and this particular situation it's actually helping him, which he doesn't like it, it's hard to wrap your brain around that cuz it's so <laughs> Opposite of what you should feel, but that's kind of the position he's in. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, he whatever seems to get used to it. Um, And we're told that uh, he has a sync rate at this point of, like, I think it said 41.3. Which, just a few minutes earlier, uh, when Misato was throwing a fit about throwing Shinji in the plug in the first place, he said that, you know, Rei Rei Ayanami took months before she could sync with her... Evangelion, and here shinji is thinking you know first try and he doesn't even have a special suit on he's just wearing his little button down
1: right and he also wasn't even in the unit when it protected him so that's he true. didn't even have to physically be inside of him to to have him react to him so i think that's a pivotal point in showing the connection between the two and i think this is like the second point and for for those of you who you know, I, for me at least, like, the, the sync rate, I didn't really understand what that meant, but it just means, like, the compatibility between the human and the robot, correct?
0: Yeah, so, like, it's say, I guess a good way is, like, if you, the higher your sync rate, the more accurately uh, that is going to respond to you. So, like, for instance, it's like almost having, like, an old Nintendo 64 controller in that it might be laggy and like the buttons don't respond very well. And so it might not be as precise as you want. But then as you move up to like the more advanced controllers, you know, they get they're very sensitive and they're able to you're able to do very specific in your actions. And so that's what they're they're going for here.
1: So the sync rate can change over time or does the sync rate, whatever it is in the beginning is what it
0: stays. It changes. It changes. Okay. And we'll see it change. And I won't get too far into it, but it, it's not right, a but, permanent thing.
1: Right. It's not a static thing. It's It's something that is fluid based mm-hmm. on whoever's in it. Okay.
0: But right clear. away, we have this little connection between Shinji and Ava1, seemingly, and that, you know, from his first start without a plug suit, he has, you know, a 41% sync rate, which, you know, is like dumbfounded by.
1: Right, which is off the charts for what they've been dealing with up until this
0: point. I know, they're just, like, throwing Rayanami in the water over there, like, ah, I don't need you anymore.
1: <laughs> Seriously, and they've beaten her up to the point yeah. where she needs a gurney to get around for crying Seriously. out loud. Like, something serial definitely happened in that situation. So, they've been definitely putting her through the ringer, I think, was part of like, that's why they wheeled her out. That's why, I mean, they made such a big production out of it, is that this is, a, this is a hard thing to do, and this is something that they've been working on. Like, this isn't something that's just going to happen, but then when it does, I think that's why Gendo gets so, like, creepily happy because he's like, okay, this is exactly what was
0: supposed to happen. So. Mm-hmm. His, his little evil plan is seemingly coming together.
1: <laughs> yes, he taps his little glove fingers together like an evil genius.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that's cool is that uh, I'm not sure if it's Risco that says it. I think it's her. She says set uh, cognitive configuration-based rules uh, sets of Japanese. So we have this, like, like a language setting for the Ava. Got it. So, I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's, you know, that it's like, it's just a, I don't know. I, I find it interesting, like a weird concept that like you would have to have language settings for (laughs) <laughs> Depending on who goes in to this giant robot,
1: <laughs> yeah. And isn't it supposed to kind of connect with you? Shouldn't it know what language it should be in? You know, like if it is thinking up with you, then it should be kind of intuitive like that. I guess that's maybe like where yeah. the distance, Like, it shouldn't it be a little bit more intuitive? I mean, you have this ginormous thing, like. But at the you same would think time, so
0: like if there's... you think do this, it would do it. But I guess it's going more like when you say when you think to do this, you're thinking it in your language. And I guess it would pick up on that instead. But I I agree. You would think that it would be a little bit more <laughs> intuitive. Although but.
1: I I will say for people, I guess it's kind of like um, comparing like someone who speaks like two languages. Like my dad was bilingual. And so I always used to ask, like, what was his internal voice? And he would always hear his voice, like his internal voice in Hungarian and then have to filter it in English. So maybe it's kind of the same thing. Like, is that your language of origin? Because that's the way your brain is going to think. And if you're kind of he- connected in that way, like maybe that's why I asked to have, You know what I mean? I don't know. But you would think it would be more intuitive than that. Yeah, but here we are. <laughs> That's right. And it's it's gonna evolve into a lot of different things. So
0: Yep. And so then after that we get Shinji gets launched up in the Ava to the surface there. Um and then I think when Misato says like uh please don't die or something like that. Something and along it, those lines, yeah. yes. Yeah, uh here it is. Shinji don't die. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the subtitle says. <laughs> and then cut the black. That's it.
1: Yeah. That's it crazy yeah. way to end like that's another thing about this show is that and any good show or or the hallmark i think of a good show is is at the end of the episode you want to know wait a minute i gotta see the next one but fight the urge to binge like we had mentioned in the beginning it's it's definitely something you want to watch think over listen to a podcast
0: um and kind of get get your thoughts together for the next episode mm-hmm, for sure so i think uh a few things that You know, from this episode to think about that would be worth, you know, food for thought, shower thoughts. Um, (laughs) What do you think about uh, the angel that we saw or angels in general? I think Gendo says until we defeat the angels, like uh, humanity has like has no hope or something like that. Something along those lines.
1: I get that. I guess at this point, and as as a way to kind of deter any spoilers, I kind of have to revert back to my thinking of when I first watched the show and my impression was of them then. And they obviously they they seem like invaders. Like this seems like an invasion on something. And it obviously, it, how did it become so regenerative? Like it's it's obviously very evolved. It's you know. So what. Why is it here? Like, what? What's the struggle? Like, what is it trying to do? um I think that was like my first impression of the angels, and like, it, why does is it in such a weird form? Like, why couldn't it be like just a
0: giant ball of light, or
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I guess that's artistic Especially interpretation.
0: When, like our normal thought of angels is like you know this like heavenly robed right. person with right. you know like a celestial body, yeah, mm-hmm, in a halo, yeah. yes.
1: And that's that's why I think it's kind of interesting that they decide to go like the opposite of that. And so I think that's kind of where, like, sometimes the disconnect, especially if you've, you know, like you said, a- attributed an angel to a very, you know, celestial body. And then all of a sudden you see this creepy, ginormous thing that's indestructible. And it, the two things don't correlate. Um, but I think it, it's it's it's. Definitely, kind of like the show, you know, where it's it's a, it's a lot of like symbolism, and you got to figure out what that symbolism is.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, uh, additionally, you know, the the Avas, the Evangelions, uh, specifically specifically the one that Shinji's in right now. You know, what do you what do you think about the design? What do you think about you know the fact that it protected him? You know, these the sync ratios that they're talking about here. You know, what it you know think of some think of some theories? Okay, I, I already have a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, I, there's two other smaller things just worth, like, thinking about is, uh, they briefly mentioned the Marduk Institute and also, um, the fluid that fills up the plug, um, they called it a LCL. So, you know, these are unexplained little words that just, you know, maybe think about what you think they might mean, what they're, uh. What they are,
1: and there are a lot of resources out there to to look them up and that's get the real backstory
0: thing for yourself.
1: That's right. That's right. You don't want to spoil anything, but you can go and look them up because, again, these are things that
0: you want to pay attention for going forward. That's right. And I think that's the perfect reason why listening to a podcast like this is so great because you get the information that you're you should have without going into spoiler territory accidentally. Correct.
1: It's more of a play-by-play to help you navigate each episode
0: and to point out things that will be helpful for future episodes. Definitely. So, um, everybody listening can join us. Uh, I believe it's going to be next week for episode two. Um, The Japanese title is Unfamiliar Ceiling, and the English title is The Beast. Wow. Yeah. Interesting,
1: considering the last Scene that we saw. Keep that in mind.
0: Exactly. Definitely. So, yeah. Keep
1: that in mind. And yeah. if you do have any questions or concerns, you can email us at Nick? Uh,
0: full impact podcast at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, fan theories, anything you got.
1: Uh, information on where to find exclusive memorabilia and or oh, collectible true. items. Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> we're maybe. always
0: looking for those. <laughs> and maybe any any cheaply cheap eBay listings, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> we 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 welcome it all. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you all next time then. Sounds good.